Welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show podcast. Think of it like a magazine or a box of chocolates. You never know what you'll get. From politics to pop culture, healthcare to legal issues, it's all here. And my behind-the-wheel chats are personal observations created especially for you on podcast only. Enjoy. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. And I actually want to begin with a story that is rocking my little town of Westport, which you know well. And it's a story that is in keeping with a theme that we have been speaking about with tremendous resonance ever since the outbreak of the October 7th war in the Middle East. But it looks like it's something that has been percolating right along for a long time that people haven't been paying attention to. And what I'm talking about is this uh, resurgence of anti-Semitism. So what happened was a gentleman by the name of Andrew Goldberg, I don't know him, I don't know his family. I have reached out to him by telephone and asked him to come on the show, but I haven't heard from him. Uh, he is a father of, I think it's a boy, in, in Westport, in a middle school. We're not talking high school here. And uh, what he says is that his son was subjected to taunts and bullying, and we know that that happens, and we know that middle schools are rampant for that kind of thing. But this went to another level, and the kind of bullying was he that these kids would talk about um, showers at Auschwitz and, uh, and use the kind of uh, language uh, that was really, really ugly uh, when it came to talking about uh, Jews. And in fact, here's what happened. Andrew Goldberg wrote a piece in Newsweek magazine, and I'm going to read you excerpts from it a little bit. It's worth reading. You can find it. The title of it is called My Son Faced Anti-Semitism, His School Tried to Buy Our Silence. And what he basically says is, you know, my kid had a lot of bullying and taunting that was so anti-Semitic and so awful that we had to make this uh, come to the attention of school administration officials he was not happy with the response of school administration officials and, in fact, so unhappy that his son eventually transferred out of Westport and went to a Jewish day school. He doesn't say which. But he also says, and this is reminiscent of the conversation you and I had with Gretchen Carlson on Wednesday of this week, uh, that the school, in exchange for whatever it was planning to do, wanted the family to sign a nondisclosure agreement. And the family refused. And that's why they're talking about this, because they said that their silence could not be bought on this issue. End of story. But they were offended and appalled that the school handled it in such a legalistic way. 
that they would put it in front of the family. And by the way, and I think they offered them $15,000 or something. They said, by the way, for the money, we assume that you're going to keep this confidential and never talk about it with anyone. And the family was like, no, I don't think so. No, we're not going to do that. And so they are speaking out again about it. Let me tell you what they're saying. And by the way, this was, this was uh, I would say, like, a, like an implosion on the town of Westport when it hit. I got the article from a friend of mine who has a student in high school. Uh, Westport Moms made it its top post yesterday. Westport Moms is a highly followed social media website. There was an emergency executive session which means that the public was not invited to hear what the Board of Ed of Westport said about this and what they wanted to do about this, although one member of the Board of Ed reached out to me and will be able to speak about it later with me. In the article this morning on the Westport Journal, uh, the, um, the reporter wrote that uh, two rabbis from the town of Westport have subsequently been contacted. I've reached out to one of those rabbis who expects to have more information about the incident this afternoon, and maybe he'll be able to come on next week and tell us more. So all I can tell you is the one-sided piece that is in Newsweek and the facts of which really are rocking the town, 203-333-9422. And the, Andrew Goldberg starts out his article by saying, I didn't know what hurt more the anti-Semitism directed at our seventh grade son or our public school administration's attempts to silence us about what happened to him. Both seared like a brand. And then he writes, as a documentary filmmaker and journalist, much of my work has been reporting on the worst of humanity. My late mother named me after the civil rights worker, Andrew Goodman, who was killed by racists in Mississippi. It was her way of telling me to at least try to be part of the solution. One thing I've covered for years is anti-Semitism, and I consider myself lucky because until recently it never came in any large dose for me or my family. I live in Westport, Connecticut with my wife and three children. We moved here because it has a reasonably large Jewish population and well-regarded public schools. All was well until things changed dramatically for my son last year. It started with a run of taunts against him in sixth grade. Then in seventh grade came a repeated daily effort to kick him off the lunch table. Vote him off was chanted. The insults and digs grew. Each day he came home more despondent. And then he said it went from general bullying to targeted anti-Semitism. And this is what chilled me. And I'm reading from an essay that was published in Newsweek by Andrew Goldberg, a resident of Westport. One student whom my son considered a friend invited my son to sign up for his, quote, camp, which had, quote, great showers, Camp Auschwitz. He said another Jewish classmate of theirs had already signed up. My son, who was just 12, found this concerning and upsetting, but this was a new friend. He hoped this interaction was not indicative of anything more. And later, the same boy was at our house with my son watching the satirical show South Park. In one of the episodes, they saw a character dressed as Hitler shouts, we must exterminate the Jews. And this boy then proceeded to say, we must exterminate the Jews to my son on a regular basis at school for weeks, dozens and dozens of times. My son asked him to stop. My son told him we had relatives who died in the Holocaust. The boy refused. When we learned of all this from our son, we were floored. We contacted the school. We met with school officials. We asked what expertise, training, and experience they had to deal with anti-Semitism and racism. They assured us they took this, quote, very seriously. 
They would perform an investigation. The next day, one of the officials called my son to the office. My son explains it as an interrogation. He claimed why he was he claimed he was asked why he showed South Park to his friend when in fact they had merely watched TV. Did my son think it was funny? What was he trying to accomplish? He came home shaken. Now this is the father writing. I considered this a bad start. And then he talks about what Westport Public Schools tried to do about it. He said the school then presented a safety plan for our son. Among other things, he could sit at another lunch table. He could see, meaning the son, a trusted adult if he felt safe. Later, we were told of some assigned seating and class partners. But, and this is the parent now talking, I didn't think that anything I saw in the safety plan addressed the anti-Semitism and bigotry or, quote, how to use this as a teachable moment for students and faculty. Instead, the safety plan seemed to be just different ways my son could move around the building. You listening to this? So the father is saying, if you'd asked me how to address it, I would have said, let's educate. Let's use this as a teachable moment. Let's not let kids banter things like showers and Auschwitz camps, right? And if you're asking me, Lisa Wexler, a teachable moment means let's get an auditorium together. And why don't we show Let My People Go? Why don't we show Night and Fog? Why don't we show La Vita è Bella, Life is Beautiful? Why don't we show that? By the time I was in third grade, I knew everything. By the time I was in seventh grade, I had seen all the documentaries and the footage from the camps. You want to use something as a teachable moment, you have a, an assembly, a real assembly. And you make all the kids at once in an auditorium watch a screen with the bodies in the wheelbarrows from the camps. I guarantee you, every single human who walks out of that will not kid around about Camp Auschwitz again. It's Kids hear stuff. They hear it out of context. They're stupid. They're ignorant. They're stupid. They're cruel. They're mean. This is, this is human nature. But if you want to really try and get at the root, it begins with education. Education begins with facts and evidence. That's not what the school did, according to this. And, we'll, you know, Thomas Scarice, who was the superintendent of Westport, followed this up with a massive long letter to the entire community last night, you know, about how they take this so seriously, how this is wounding to him because he cares so much about this topic and this issue. And he spoke at a Board of Ed meeting last night. I'm not saying that people aren't taking this seriously. It's a question of what approach is the right approach. But let me finish with this article from Newsweek. Because this is really rocking the town. 203-333-9422. Mr. Goldberg writes, Word spread in our town. In its retelling, we were villains. A father texted my wife and accused us of unjustly calling the family of the other boy Nazis. We never called them Nazis. He said everyone was afraid to interact with our son because of how we were treating the family of the boy who invited our son to Camp Auschwitz. Right? The blame the victim thing? Women women have endured this for years. It's your fault you were raped. I was surprised by the blame the victim responses, but I wasn't. These are all too common with accusations of anti-Semitism. 
Over the next days, my son showed us more texts from classmates and told us more stories about the significant anti-Semitism he'd been objected to. On one occasion, a boy at his home shot my son with a squirt gut yelling, shoot the Jew. While all this was happening, we watched my son get increasingly sad. Again, I'm reading you from Andrew Goldberg. This is his side of what happened to his family in Westport, published in Newsweek. His fun, childlike energy was dissipating. As word got out, most of his friends dropped him. He was too upset to return to class. It was incredibly painful to witness as a father. I would wish this on no parent. Our son also confided in us that the student who was calling for the extermination of the Jews had once brought bullets to a Boy Scout meeting and showed them to him, an allegation investigated by law enforcement. My questions about their expertise, training, and experience were consistently ignored. Weeks went by. I told school officials I had no confidence in them or their safety plan. At a minimum, I wanted the students in question away from my son if he was to return to school. We hired an education attorney for guidance. And then Mr. Goldberg says, anti-Semitism is exploding in this country. If the schools do not have sufficient skills, training, and policies to handle it, it means only bad things for kids. According to the Anti-Defamation League here in Connecticut, one-third of anti-Semitism cases last year happened in non-Jewish K-12 schools, most of which are public, etc. And then there are a bunch of statistics about this. I don't need to read this for you, but you know how the statistics are climbing. More time passed. We were still in the dark. The notion of my son going back to his middle school seemed intolerable and risky. Feeling we were out of options, we enrolled him in a private Jewish school. He said a group of his classmates saw him in town, whispered and hurried away. He'd become a pariah through no fault of his own. To find some closure, our lawyer asked the Westport Public School System for two things. Help us offset some of the tuition of the new school. And answer our questions about what training and policies were placed to deal with the same things that happened to my son. And then he said, more than a month later, we received the written results of the investigation. It substantiated many of our claims. It reiterated the same safety plan. And to their credit, added that they'd moved other students to be separated from our son. Uh, however, he said, in going into some details, it was only one student. As such, he would still cross paths with our son. But he said, most notably, it made no plans for the school to create a safer environment for the school, and it did not address the larger problem of bigotry in the school environment. And then when they got the money, the so-called settlement deal, the school district then told our lawyer they'd be willing to provide enough money for roughly one year of tuition. The money was less than needed to get him through middle school, but exhausted, we said we'd accept and then we read the proposed settlement agreement and came to the only reasonable conclusion one could. The money they were offering was not to help our son, it was to buy our silence. And this agreement said the settling parties agree that all aspects of this settlement agreement, including but not limited to, the facts and circumstances leading up to this settlement agreement shall be kept confidential. Meaning, if we agreed we'd have to be silent about the facts and circumstances that what happened to our son. I and our son could never talk about the bullying and anti-Semitism. The agreement also said that if we ever broke this rule, we'd have to pay Westport Public Schools a $15,000 fee. Oh, that was what the $15,000 was. And then under pressure from our attorney, Mr. Goldberg said, they agreed to remove this. 
In a spectacular demonstration of being tone deaf, this is according to Mr. Goldberg, the school had sent their version of the settlement agreement with their disturbing confidentiality terms just days after Hamas attacked Israel. Anyway, he concludes it by saying that this was cruel, that they wouldn't sign, they decided forget about it, they didn't sign. Andrew Goldberg is a, quote, Emmy Award-winning documentary producer and director and the founder of So Much Film, which is the name of his company, in New York City. So Westport, feeling compelled to deal with this, uh, decided that they would answer this, obviously, and the Board of Ed is answering this, obviously. Um, but the reality of it, the reality of it is that it is, it is shaking like a quake uh, within Westport. I'm Lisa Wexler. Your thoughts, your comments, 203-333-9422. We'll be right back. Anyway, 203-333-9422 if you want to talk about this. And listen, a lot of, um, you know, a lot of people may feel different ways about this. Westport is about one-third Jewish. There are a lot of Jewish kids up and down the hallways. And, uh, and, and also middle schoolers say terrible things to each other. We know this to be true. Um, and I know that the Board of Ed, a lot of whom happens to be Jewish themselves, is very sensitive to this issue. Uh, during the Board of Ed recent election, conversations about how they were teaching diversity, equity, and inclusion were a very important part of the campaign itself. So this whole idea of how we describe people and how we generalize about people and trying to eradicate bigotry is front and center. Maybe some people think it's too front and center. We're not spending enough time on the elementary aspects of life like English and math and science and social studies. But uh, the reality is that schools have inevitably become a place where everything happens, where because of the advent of social media and the phones and the kids being 24-7 connected, schools have been the place, rightly or wrongly, where they have been blamed or assigned the responsibility for dealing with a lot of societal ills. And look, if kids are going to talk about Camp Auschwitz, I think we've got a problem. I think we have a problem. We have a problem because, number one, it displays a level of ignorance that is awe-inspiring. And number two, um, it displays a level, if not just of ignorance, of, um, well, of a kind of lack of empathy, a lack of, a lack of understanding, a willingness to sort of go below the belt, which is what, you know, kids do which is what kids do, particularly in middle school. Anyway, this conversation about Andrew Goldberg, 203-333-9422, it's going to have more repercussions. Uh, A couple of rabbis have been uh, asked to consult with the Board of Ed, and that was according to the results from yesterday's Board of Ed meeting. And we will follow the story. If we can get Mr. Goldberg on, we will. If we can get a rabbi on, we will. But we're going to continue to follow this story. Wondering if you have any comments or thoughts on it at 203-333-9422. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? 
boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Anthony from Westport. Hi, Anthony from Westport. What do you think about this story? Hi, Anthony. Uh, well, it's horrible, horrible, horrible. This whole situation has, yes, it was brewing. I understand, and you're right when you said that it was brewing. But in my opinion, this started with a former president, in my opinion. It brought out this fundamentalist Christian belief. Someone I know recently said to me, he was a supporter of the former president and would vote for him again. He said to me, if I didn't bring the Lord into my life, I'd be going to hell. And you see, this kind of thought, this kind of, quote, Christian thought is... (laughs) Is from the root of causing, in my opinion, and it started with him. You know who him is. That's how I feel. Yeah, but somebody who identifies as a Christian doesn't necessarily support Donald Trump. In fact, there's a lot of Christians who don't support this person. Did no, it's just no. I'm not saying every person does, but these fundamentalist groups are associated with him. They feel that he is the savior, and I know people that feel. I know in well. I would say intelligent people, but, you know, I'm not so sure. I feel like there so is So you think that Christian... President Trump is to blame for the emergence of a lot of well, bigotry? I, I, I do think that. I believe, in my opinion, that started with the, the radical groups coming out that weren't so much before. And, and he, <laughs> yes, I, I mean, I, I feel that from what I have read and seen and observed. He allowed this evil to come up. He brought it out to the open. That's why he sat and watched TV January 6th for hours while people were getting shot. Lisa, you know that. Mm-hmm. Well, he was the person at Charlottesville who said there were good, there were good people on both sides. Remember that? Yeah. That, well, was the, that was the neo-Nazi rally where the country was absolutely shocked when he as president said I, I, there were good people on both I, sides. I remember that. Well, that's a perfect example. Of his bringing it out into the open. But, you know, a lot of people believe that there would not have been a Donald Trump if there wasn't a President Obama. You see? In other words, there's a lot of latent, all kinds of bigotry in this country anyway. You know that. Well, I know that. Yeah. And not just in this country, in the world. I mean, I think it's, I think it has to do, and, and I know people may, you know, yell at me or whatever about this, but I think people in general, our brains are hardwired to be clannish, whatever our clan is. And there's a suspicion of the other. And it's almost like we have to be taught tolerance. You know, there was that wonderful song by Rodgers and Hammerstein, You've Got to Be Taught to Hate and Fear. I almost think it's the opposite. Like you have to be taught not to hate and fear. Because a lot of people go to their, uh, they're a little, you know what I mean? They go to their suspicious natures and they feel like if people don't look like them or act like them, that, because they're not like them, because they're an other, there's something wrong with them. I think we have to be taught the opposite. We have to be taught well, we not have to been in ways. Yeah. Well, that's why in schools, inclusion, you know, special needs students were not sitting home. You know, they were that's going right. to school years and years that's ago. Right. They were in that's addicts. Right. 
That's so right. we well, that does work, and people were accepting students. Believe me, I know. You're right. That was a sea change people. in accepting people of, of different abilities. That's right. Years ago, there was tremendous distrust and suspicion, and people that with severe disabilities were shamed, and they had to be home or in institutions where we know they were uh-huh. locked up and treated cruelty, cruelly. That's right, Anthony. That's right. And Mansfield and those huge places. Yep. I don't know if you remember. Knew about that. Of course, you probably do. Of course. Well, I just think I have hope. I have hope that we will overcome this hateful bigotry. And, you know, I grew up. I mean, I'm sure it was there, but I grew up, I had so many friends that were Jewish, Catholic, everything. It never came, religion never came up. In fact, I celebrated Jewish holidays with my neighbor. We, I know things, when you look back, things can look like rose-colored glasses. But the way it was, I remember the way it was. Our families were all, the, it never, I'm not saying it didn't come up at all somewhere, but I was in Westport, and it seemed like then, it didn't seem like it was coming up. Well, I, I don't know. I can't speak to what then was, but I can tell you that, you know, well, I've lived in Westport since 1989, and I've never picked my friends based on their religion um, at all. And, in fact, the vast majority of my friends are not even Jewish, which is fine with me. Some are, some aren't. And um, and I think I've chosen my friends pretty well because I can tell you with what happened in October 7th and the week since, it's my friends who are holding me up. You know what I mean? Who are, who are, right. who are anti anti semites? They are not the anti semites. But you know, you read a story like this with Andrew Goldberg and, and what he went through with the family. And I will tell you one of the mm-hmm. things, just drilling down on this story, that occurs to me. And it occurs to me, especially in keeping with the testimony last week of the three presidents of illustrious universities, <laughs> is that we are too legalistic a society. We are relying on lawyers now to make these decisions and judgments for people because everybody's afraid. Everybody's afraid to speak their real mind. They're afraid to get sued. They're afraid, you know, of the consequences of litigation. And so people mm-hmm. are not speaking with any true moral authority. Educators need to not turn to lawyers when it comes to a situation like this and allow lawyers to train them and teach them and advise them how to cover things up. This is what lawyers do. Lawyers are risk adverse. I'm a lawyer. And we learn how to minimize risk for our clients. And so we give advice to clients all the time to minimize risk. But you know what? Life is full of risk. And just because we advise people to minimize risk doesn't mean that that's always the right advice and that they should take it. The university presidents should have known better. When they were given advice to answer these questions as if they were advocating in front of the Supreme Court about what the free speech doctrine was, they should have said to their lawyers, I'm sorry, I'm a lawyer too, and I think you're missing the point. I'm speaking in the position of authority for an institution of education. I don't need to speak as a lawyer. Give me better advice. Give me different advice or I'm not going to take your advice. And the thing with the teachers and educators is this. They run to their lawyers When somebody threatens to sue, a family threatens to sue, a family is threatening to sue because by then they feel like they haven't been heard by the educational community to begin with. They don't threaten to sue on the first day. They threaten to sue because Mm -hmm. they already feel like their grievances are not being addressed properly. And they're not being addressed properly, Anthony, because most people are running to their lawyers. And their lawyers are telling them, well, do this and do that and be careful. And I think that's the problem. I, I mean, really, I mean that. We are too legalistic a society. We are too scared. We are covering our you-know-what tushies all the time. And this is what we get. We get cowardice. 
That's my opinion. It's, that's well, my I opinion. just – Blame it on the lawyers, as Shakespeare used to say. That's been around a long time. Yeah. Okay, I want to bl- blessings to you for being with your mother at this time and blessings ah, to your mother. Anthony. Yeah, you know. You know my priorities. I'm down here with my group. I have to be. That's okay. why you're such a good person on oh, the radio. Well. I'm very lucky. Are you kidding? I'm very blessed to have them. Thanks, Anthony. We'll be right back Thanks. with more of the Lisa Wexer Show. Stay tuned. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends. And as always, feel free to contact me at Lisa at LisaWexler.com.